What's up, everybody? Welcome back to On the Warpath. It's Sanchez405. If you're new, make sure you click the subscribe button. Hit the bell so you get notifications anytime there's new content posted. And as always, like, comment, share this video if you can. We greatly appreciate it because we're talking Washington football team news all the time. And we got a special guest here, Washington football Q&A with the man himself, Logan Paulson. You can check him out, Logan underscore Paulson. At, on Instagram, he's got some good stuff breaking down everything for us here. Pride of UCLA, Logan. It is a pleasure to have you on here. How you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me on. It's Logan underscore Paulson eighty two. Just eighty two. So, yeah. So, <laughs> no, no worries. You're a busy man. Yeah, hey, we're all busy, but I you're busy too. And thank you for taking uh time out of your day. And we'll dive right into it, man. Uh third preseason games coming up tomorrow against the Baltimore Ravens. And you, you were an undrafted uh free agent out of uh, UCLA, came in here in 2010 with the Burgundy and Gold. What goes through your mind as a player trying to make the roster, especially a young guy, and um you know, this last preseason game, of course, it was cut short because of the 17th game. So you have three preseason games. So what is going through the mind of somebody who may or may not be on the bubble there? Yeah, so I think people need to understand just how important that, that preseason time is, right? Because it's like kind of your dress rehearsal as a guy that's on the roster bubble, right? You get to kind of show, hey, I know the plays. I Because I can practice the coach stands right behind the huddle. You go in for your set plays. You come out. You get coached up. And there you're kind of out on an island a little bit more. You're kind of you're independent of your coach. It's how do you react to adversities? How do you handle successes? And it's and it's kind of your last bit of the interview, you know. And so, uh, with the abridged preseason with only three games, obviously it's really tough for some of these guys to get out there and kind of show what they can do in that context. So um, I think it's it's a huge opportunity for a lot of people who are on the in, like in position battles on the bubble, like whatever it may be. Um, and it can be extremely stressful, you know, because if you think about it, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Like this is the this is the last this for a lot of these people, this is the last time they're ever going to play professional football, which is crazy to think about. Right. Some of mm -hmm. these younger guys like they're here for they're like here for camp. They're kind of nearing the last cut. They're never going to play football. This thing that's been a huge part of their life the last five, maybe 10 years, depending on whether, whether they played uh, before high school. Or, you know, including high school football, and it's going to be gone. And so, like, it's a, there's a lot on the line for these guys. Yeah, and you, you talk about that, and sometimes it comes down to who you have, um, I guess, above you there, the veterans right. that are in there. And you've had an interesting situation when you first came in there. Uh, Chris Cooley was on the back end of his career. Uh, Fred Davis, who was looking to be promising at that time, and then right. you come in there as well. What uh, what as a young guy, what did you take from uh, those guys, especially somebody established like Chris Cooley? What, what were you doing to like get yourself, get your mind ready? Were you taking things away from them? Did you ask them pointers? Well, I think it's really anytime you're with a guy like Chris and the career that he had and the impact that he had on an organization, like he's just full of information. You know, he was super mm -hmm. successful at the highest level of football. And so anytime he said anything to me, I was very astute to it. I tried to like digest that immediately and hold on to it. I remember something specifically like he was like, Logan, you're getting off the ball late. And I remember kind of thinking like, I don't like, am I really like, and I'd watched the film and I was like, yeah, I am getting off the ball a little bit late. And then he kind of says like, Oh, well, you know, actually with the cadence that we run, they don't, it's not like when the, the center actually snaps the ball a little bit early. So you need mm -hmm. to be anticipating that early snap. So you get off the ball quicker. And it was a huge impact on my game. And so he was full of little like tidbits and factoids like that. 
which was great. And obviously kind of an eccentric personality, which always made coming to work a little bit fun, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, it's kind of cool because, you know, you worked with some of the the best in the history of the franchise, Jordan Reed as well. What did you see? Uh, you know, unfortunately, his career was cut short. Uh, what did you see when you worked with Jordan Reed uh, the, for those few years that he was there uh, where you guys were your paths uh, crossed in Washington? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those funny things. Like, I've been really blessed and cursed in a lot of ways <laughs> to see, like, greatness come before me, right? So, like, I was here um, with Jordan, and then I went mm -hmm. to San Francisco with Kittle. Kittle I was in Atlanta with uh, Austin Hooper, you know, kind of guys who were starting their ascension into something uh, that becomes really special. And so, really, like, the first time I saw him run around, I was like, oh, like, this guy's going to be – a really good football player like just the way he moved like his natural athleticism like mm -hmm. the rhythm and timing of his feet the way he caught the football you know it was all very like wide receiver-esque and in some ways better than a lot of wide receivers you know who didn't have this, this the straight speed but he had all of these kind of movement skills that were so spectacular and so yeah you kind of see the writing on the, on the wall and you're like well my role here is going to change and Mm -hmm. I have to kind of grab onto this new role with two hands so that I'm not on the street, you know, pumping gas or whatever. I'm gonna do. Right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. You mentioned these guys back, uh, back and forth. I think there is a little segue there that um, Logan Paulson helped get these guys on the right track. I, I think yeah. you, you need to get your, you need to get your credit right there where that's due, man. <laughs> you got, I mean, you mentioned Jordan Reed, Kittle, Austin Hooper, guys right. who, who are at the top of their games and everything. Hey, I tip of the hat to you. I, I think they they undersell working with Logan Paulson. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you look at it and, and, you know, I think it's interesting that you caught passes from um, just as many quarterbacks as Terry McLaurin has from McNabb, Beck, Grossman, RG3, Kirk Cousins, and uh, Colt McCoy. Right. What, what does that do for you? I, I don't think people really understand how that – can change the game about working with different quarterbacks. Just speak to that a little bit and how um, uh, game day can change, especially with a change of a quarterback. Well, obviously there's like a technical mm -hmm. difference in how they throw the football. Everyone's got a little different throwing mechanic, a little different throwing style. And that, you know, it sounds crazy and I'm not trying to oversell this, but it does affect how you catch the football. It right. just makes it more challenging because it's different. Every quarterback has a little different process, right? And then kind of that's like a very superficial element, but obviously like the way they say the play in the huddle, you know, the composure with which they speak to you, their composure in big moments is different. How they see the defense, how they read the defense is always a little bit different. I know there's like, there's like this perception that it's very formulaic, but certain guys are better at it than others. So that comes across like, so I think, um, you know, like looking back at that, like every, all those guys had something like unique that made them really successful in the NFL, but also some qualities that made them struggle. You know what right. I mean? And so like those struggling, those qualities that make you make you struggle, like affect the team kind of throughout, you know, when you're at the most important position on the field, it's, it's really impactful, obviously. Yeah, uh, and, you know, with that, kind of moving off from quarterback competition, we've got some tight ends here in Washington, mm -hmm. and I, I'll go down the list of them. The emergence of Logan Thomas, I thought was uh, – I, I argue and say that he was the best free agent tight end pickup last year mm -hmm. and most bang of your uh, buck. If you look at it, he outperformed Austin Hooper um, mm -hmm. stat-wise, but 
what do you, Pete Hayner is a tight end whisperer too, uh, from what I understand. Right. Talk about the emergence of Logan Thomas and, and did you expect this out of him, especially when he was a quarterback uh, not too long ago, probably about three or four years ago in a playoff game uh, yeah. against Ron Rivera in the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, I, I was a big advocate for the signing when it first happened. Mm-hmm. I think there was a guy that I had always liked. You know, you like his physical tool set. You like the way he runs. You like the – like, he's not the best technical blocker, but he's got a nice physicality to him. He's got a big frame, um, and he adjusts well to the football in the air. So, like, there was a nice skill set, and he's one of those guys that, you know, getting him in the right system is extremely advantageous. And, you know, when Ron and the staff here went out and signed him, you're, you're catch your fingers crossed saying, well, I really hope that – that they understand how to use him. And obviously they do. Obviously they understand what he does well. They understand that he's, you know, the, the type of mover that he is. And they kind of put him in really, um, you know, fortuitous situations so that he can be successful. And I totally agree with you. I think he's the best free agent signing of last year for sure. You know, like just look at his production, look at the impact that he's had on the team. And then I think look at the growth that he's even had over the offseason. Mm-hmm. I know it's a small sample size with the preseason. But, you know, again, the staff's doing a good job utilizing but he's also – expanded his game like that catch he had in the first preseason game was pretty phenomenal you know and the confidence that Fitzpatrick has in him to kind of execute that I think speaks to a possible ascension in terms of role within this offense so yeah I mean I you know like I said big big advocate for him early on but like I in my wildest dreams I never thought he'd catch 70 plus passes in a season right so hopefully he can continue to grow and be a huge asset to this team yeah, and you kind of mentioned it too about Fitzpatrick. A knock on Fitzpatrick was that he never threw to a tight end. And I kind of make the argument when you look at it, the two his two best tight ends are Mike Jacecki and Logan Thomas. Those right. are the two guys that he's thrown to. If you look back, there weren't, I'm not saying I'm not knocking the guys that he played with before, right. but they weren't game, they weren't guys that you were going to think you were going to have the game plan for. And now you see that I think he's going to utilize um, Logan Thomas a lot in this upcoming season. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I mean, I think you bring up a great point. Like, and I think it's a little bit of Fitz's playing style, to mm-hmm. be honest. I think he likes pushing the ball downfield on the outside. Of, like, that's kind of who he is. He's got a little gunslinger to him. But I do think having, uh, you know, game game kind of changing player at the position is extremely advantageous. You mentioned you mentioned you mentioned Mike Gasecki, mm-hmm. like he's emerging as maybe one of the top tight ends in the NFL, young tight ends. So now Logan Thomas kind of in the same boat, obviously different ages and different stages of their life and career. But I think I totally agree with your assessment there. Uh, and my favorite, he this guy was my second favorite draft pick next to William Bradley King because he was the only guy I got right on my mock draft. But uh, <laughs> yeah, William Bradley King, I got him in the seventh round. I said, eh, this guy looks like somebody we're gonna get. But John Bates, man, mm. I love this kid, the, yeah. and, and not because he can catch, and not because of his background, because he seeks out blocks, man. Like mm. he will throw a block and then throw another block. And his game improved. I thought on um, the New England game, he was slow off the block. Cincinnati, he improved. Within a week, it looked like that. Talk about John Bates. And a lot of people weren't high on John Bates there. I think some places had him as a seventh-round pick. Washington took him to fourth. Uh, Just talk about what, what you saw through him through the evaluation process. 
Yeah, I mean, I was the guy that missed on him too. You know, like I do mm-hmm. my, what is it, top 10, 12, 15 tight ends every offseason. And he wasn't on my list. You know, I kind of call all my buddies from the NFL, like who you got, who you like, and mm-hmm. go down the list that way. And then go to like, you know, normal services like PFF and see who their top 15 guys are. And then I'll watch film on him and kind of make my own assessment. <clears throat> and he wasn't on those lists. So when he got drafted, I was a little surprised because there was a couple other guys that I had evaluated that I thought, were pretty good roles. But the second you watch his college tape, you realize like he's a tremendous player. You know what I mean? He's a tremendous mm-hmm. football player. And I say that with the most kind of reverence I can, right? He's a physical, tough guy who understands the game, who understands angles. And when you, like I've been out to practice probably six times now here in mm-hmm. Washington, and he is one of the most physical inline blockers I've ever seen at the position. And I'm not saying that to like get everybody hyped up. I'm just saying it as like a matter of fact in terms of my perspective, right? I've watched, a, you know, 500 tight ends in the course of my career, you know, college, NFL, and he has a tremendous skill set for it. And I'm not saying he's going to be the best blocking tight end of all time, but like you see the value that he brings to the team. You see the physicality that he brings. You see the mindset that he brings. And I think that in conjunction with his ability to move and kind of catch the football for a big man who's like, you know, traditionally a blocker, I think is extremely, extremely valuable and well worth a fourth round pick. Like he's going to be a big part of this organization for a long time. Like, if you look at last year, for example, mm-hmm. Sprinkles, like, you know, say what you want about him, but he struggled a little bit as the blocking Y tight end in this offense. Bates is going to add kind of power and dexterity at the position. It's going to help the running backs. It's going to help the pass game. It's going to be a, a nice feature um, for this offense. And I'm super excited for what he brings and, and the, and the kind of mindset that he has. Yeah. I, I liked him. Um, at the Friday night football event, and he had a one catch on the near sideline, and he lowered the shoulder pad, and you heard it pop in the stands. And I was like, this dude is a headhunter, and he, yeah. he doesn't care if he's blocking or catching. He will make you feel him. And right. I, I think that physicality, that's the toughness and kind of what you talk about with Ron, position flex that they're looking for. And – um. I'll, I'll drop down to the meet, uh, to the darling of the tight ends room, Samus Reyes. Uh, he's shown some promise here, and I guess the question is, what what do you think of Samus Reyes, and does he make this final fifty three man roster? Yeah, so I've had the opportunity to work out right. and train with Samus a couple times, which has been a really cool experience. And like, I actually was one of the first people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he spoke with about wanting to play in the NFL just through total serendipity. It wasn't like, you know, I'm some great tight end person or anything like that. Just kind of chance, totally. Anyway, um, and he, I think the most impressive thing about him is his mindset. He is a guy that understands how valuable this opportunity is, and he is going to work his tail off to make sure that he does not leave any opportunity behind, right? He's, mm-hmm. He wants to kind of he wants, he, you know, he's representing the, 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 the nation of Chile, right? He's super pumped on that. He's one of the first Chilean football players, maybe the second one in the history of the NFL. And, um, you know, physically, he's super impressive, big guy, you know, fast, athletic. Like, he has kind of all the tools. And, yeah, so I understand why he's the darling, and he should be mm-hmm. the darling. Right. But he still has a long way to go in terms of proving that he can play. Like, I, in terms of mindset, like, you love it. In terms of the physical tools, you love it. But his experience is basically none at this point. And, Granted, he's improving each week and every day he's improving. But um, still, like, he's got a tremendous amount of ground to, um, to, to cover to kind of catch up to everybody. And now he's just physically better than everybody. So in that first preseason game, you see what that does for him, right? Right. 
pretty physical in the run game. He can move down the seam well. Not supernatural hands in the run game. Not super technically efficient, but shows a good physicality. Shows that big body, and I think he's got a good shot. You know, I mean, especially when they cut Hemingway, you kind of look at the roster and you say, well, now there's only a couple a couple guys left. Like, and I don't think they want to lose him because if it's me, mm-hmm. I say. Two years from now, this guy's going to be a, a player. You know what I mean? If he keeps this mindset, if he keeps his physicality, he can stay healthy. Like he's going to be a contributing member to this roster. So, can you find a way to keep him around? I think is the question. Yeah, I, I and you know he's been talented. I know that's what a lot of folks have been bouncing around. Does he make the roster? Does he not? No. Um, but I, I, like you said, this guy is a, a physical specimen, and there's a reason why he should be a darling here. Now, um, Logan, I kind of mentioned this earlier, and I, I want you to buckle your seatbelts. Everybody, buckle your seatbelts <laughs> up, please, please. Can you add sanity to the fan base and tell them, tell us? It's okay to believe in Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't understand. Like, so everyone comes to me with this question. Like, I don't understand. Like, what's the deal? Why does everyone I, hate on him so much? I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I am a guy who I've seen him 16 years. I've seen yeah. Psycho. I know Norman Bates is behind the shower. I know in the sixth sense that Bruce Willis is the dead guy because I've seen it multiple times. <laughs> so I think that's what people are kind of alluding to. Right. I've kind of talked to uh, – I call in the Travis Thomas show all the time, and we uh, we have sat there and cried on each other's uh, phone and been like, ah, oh, we don't know, and now we're cool with it. Please convince the people out there, these Heineke hopers – and yeah. uh, j- just like, just tell him, hey, it's okay to believe in this guy, and it, this is the best team that he's been around, really on paper. I think since the Texans back in twenty fourteen. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think when you look at the skill position group here, I think it's going to really support him. I think the offense is maturing in a nice way under mm-hmm. Scott Turner, and I think that's going to be an advantage for him. I mean, yes, he's going to have growing pains. Yes, it's going to be. It's going to be there's going to be tough spots, but if you look at what he does well, which is push the football down the field, and you look at what this offense needs at the quarterback position, right? Pushing the football down the field, like that seems like a match made in heaven, right? If you look at the PFF, you know, power rankings, he adds four points to the to the value of this team, and if you look at other t- like that's like the same as um, Matt Stafford, you know what I mean for the uh, LA Rams, like it's he they people around the NFL and around the game understand the value that he brings to this offense, like. By no means is he going to be perfect, and this and he's going to struggle at points in this year. But this team is is significantly better with him at the helm because of his of what he does well, which is push the football down the field, make good pre snap adjustments. Right, he doesn't always make good decisions with the football. That's okay. And then if you look at his last two years um, in the NFL down in Miami, like he was he was a top fifteen quarterback. Like that's and if you look at recency, like obviously like. That's a huge deal. You know right. what I mean? He has been playing at a high level for the last two years. Now, obviously, like his career is very up and down, but I think you can look and say there's been two years of consistent football, right? People around the game seem to think he adds tremendous value to this team. I, I'm inclined to agree with him. Like, is he perfect? Is it the answer long term? Probably not, like to be totally candid. But mm-hmm. like, is he going to help this team win some football games this year? Yes. And I think the other thing to keep in mind is like, I think a lot of people say, oh, well, like, you know, we're not. What if we don't get to the playoffs? Does that mean that Ryan Fitzpatrick had a bad season? And I would say no. Like the strength of schedule this year for this team is significantly better. So they are going to be in some freaking barn burners if they're not careful, right? So don't let that be an indication of how he's playing. Like they're playing better teams this year. Mm-hmm. I think an advantage for this team 
He's going to make this team better. He's going to make that receiving group better. And then by extension, make the run game better. So like, is he perfect? No. But is he, does he make this team better? Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, and that's why I'm kind of, I'm kind of right now. And I'm just like, he's going to make this team better. He's going to be a little bit more exciting in yeah. uh, on the offense. So, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of interesting too with, uh, with Fitzpatrick that um, he, does not the one thing about him that I, I've always been a fan of is his composure because you can never really tell when he's rattled, and um, I, I think that is that just speaks to him, uh, him as a player and everything, uh, a leader more than anything. That he very rarely looks rattled out there, yeah. I think you know, you mentioned like all the quarterbacks that I mm-hmm. played with, and even though that wasn't like the best group of quarterbacks of all time, like the good ones in there, like when you're in the huddle with them, like. They are very composed, you know, like the moment's never too big for them to have mm-hmm. a nice leadership characteristic. And think about it, he's had 17, 16 years to develop that skill set and cultivate it. And so I think that, um, you know, it just, he has got, he's got so much experience, so much value added, you know, and I, I just, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. Like, I know it's not going to be every, you know, every time he throws a bad pass, you know, Twitter's going to blow up, Instagram's right. going to blow up. You're going to get a whole bunch of phone calls or whatever and be like, you know, we should start Heineke, but I don't think Heineke's ready to be quite honest. No. Like if Heineke was further along, I might be singing a different tune, but I, I just don't think he's ready for a 17 uh, game season, 18 game season now. Right. Like it's, it's Fitzpatrick has a skill set that is good. He's proved he's a proven commodity. You know, he's proven like up and down, but like, at least you know what you're going to get from him. I think that's tremendously mm-hmm. valuable. And you mentioned Heineke, and what I kind of noticed out of his game, I think from New England to Cincinnati in the preseason, there's a lot of panic. That that's just a word I that I keep on thinking of, and especially with the ball, how he secures the ball, mm-hmm. and his first thought is to run rather than get the ball out and, and throw it downfield. I, I don't know if you've seen that or if that's a proper word, but I, I just panic always came into my mind sitting here watching that game last week. Yeah. So what I think if I was going to describe it, I think he's off schedule. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, when I first came into the league, like you couldn't play quarterback like that. Right. Mm-hmm. But since then, you know, over the last 10, 11, 12 years, there's been guys who've come in like Russell Wilson, who plays a little outside of the offensive scheme. Right. Russell Wilson, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. And I'm not saying he's those guys, but I'm saying he adopts a similar play style. And when you have that, like, it doesn't look good. It looks a little frantic. He's running all over the place. But it's it's a proven way to play the position over the last 12 years in the NFL. And I think that that's something that needs to be kept in mind. Like, it might not be conventionally pleasing or aesthetic, but um, he, does, he does a good job with that. And I think he, he makes plays. He extends drives. And that's what the quarterback's got to do. Um, mm-hmm. I personally, the thing that makes me worried is I'd like to see him work within the context of the offense a little bit more effectively, right? Mm-hmm. You, there are guys that do that, like Russell Wilson does it, but, you know, when he's got to make hay, like he can sit in the pocket and throw the football, right? Right. John Watson, you know, removing all his off-field legal stuff, he likes to run around the football, but when he's got to make plays in the pocket, he can do it. And Heineke, to me, in the preseason thus far, and even in the playoff game, I mean, a little bit in the playoff game, but in the preseason specifically, has not shown a tremendous ability to like, be like, I'm going to run this offense from the pocket. I'm going to execute at a high level from here, right? He's looked like a guy who wants to run around and play backyard football. Can you be successful with that? Yes. But yep. are you going to be an elite player doing that? Probably not. Uh you know, and I'll ask you this last question. I, I I got two more things for you, and then I'll let you let you go here. I appreciate your time. Uh, 
learned this from Kevin Sheehan, so I always say this. Washington wins the NFC East if. Oh, okay. I like it. This is good. I like this. Um, <laughs> so I think I think there's a very good shot this year, right? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest if, honestly, lies with Dallas. Mm-hmm. If Dallas and Dak Prescott come back and show that early season form offensively and the defense is even slightly better, I think that's going to be really challenging for them because Washington's strength of schedule right now is absolutely bonkers, right? Yes. So they need so they need a little bit of help in the division from other teams, right? And they need to win those games when they can. Um, but in terms of what often what the what the Washington football team can control, they need to have a top five defense. I think mm-hmm. like that's what they did last year. That defense needs to carry that over. And traditionally, that's something that defenses have a very hard time doing is consistently being in the top five year to year, right? Because usually. People leave, um, scheme changes, right? Offenses understand the defense a little bit better, right? And so can they maintain that high level of play? Because the offense, I think, is going to be much improved. So if the defense can still play at that high level with an improved offense, like they're going to be a dangerous, dangerous team. That's a big what if, though, in my opinion. Yep. And uh, also, I'll ask you this, too. NFL Top 100, uh, Terry McLaurin. <laughs> what were your thoughts when you saw the NFL top one? I know the players vote on this. Uh, I fan base believes he's a top 100 player. Uh, do, do you think that? Do you think that he was kind of snubbed in that? Or well, I think it's really interesting. Top 100 mm-hmm. is interesting to me, right? And mm-hmm. like one of the things, one of the games I like to play with people is I like to make a list of people. So like mm-hmm. if you could have Julio Jones, Antonio Brown. Uh, Mike Evans, like, would you take Terry over any of those players no. I just mentioned? Right, and then you could just keep going. Like, uh, how about uh, Odell Beckham or DK Metcalf or Lockett or um, you know Woods in LA or who mm-hmm. you know who just the list or Hopkins in Arizona. Like, when you go through it and you really think about it, like there are some dogs out there playing wide receiver in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Like mutant freaks, and Terry is a very skilled player, very competitive player great leader, great for this organization, all of those things. But I think there are opportunities, if you really look at it, mm-hmm. to upgrade over Terry. You know what I'm saying? And right. say, like, what about this guy? What about this guy? What about this mm-hmm. guy? What about this guy? And I think fans need to be honest with themselves when they're doing that, right? Like, if you're the GM of the Washington football team and it's an open draft on the league, is Terry the first receiver you're taking? Right. Is he, is he in the top five? Is he in the top 10 receivers? And I don't think the answer is yes for most people. That's not to say Terry's a bad player. Let right. me just say that right now. <laughs> Terry's a good football player. I like the way he plays. All your all your listeners out there, do you hear me? I think he's a good football player. But I'm thinking that I, I, so all I'm saying is that there's people that are better than him. And I think it's hard to dispute that. Twitter, Logan Paulson <laughs> says, Terry McLaurin, not one hundred top 100 wide receiver. Gotcha. Oh, my God. Sorry. You, you, you'll appreciate this. So I was talking about to somebody. I was talking to somebody about uh, Chase Young's Madden score. Uh-huh. And I said it was like 87. And I was like, that's right. great. You know, he didn't do anything like tremendously outstanding last year. And that was the sound bite that they got cut. Like, I oh, love Chase Young. I think he's a great player. And I was all over Instagram for a while. So I got to make sure I say that now. Like, I think Terry's good at football. Because <laughs> think there's other people I pick first. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. So I got my clip for Instagram. <laughs> I'll set you up like that. Uh, but Logan, this has been a, a pleasure, man. And I, I think there's a lot of hope around this team. I know you were part of two division championship teams, and I I will say this that um while you were one of the younger guys on both of those teams, they seemed old winning. Right. This year, 
that that's why I have hope is that this team is young yes. and they went to the playoffs and they can build off of it. But if you look at those previous teams, they were kind of old, especially defensively. They were they had a lot of seasoned veterans there, and um, they, it it just didn't work out there. Kind of felt like the runway was really short, right? Yeah. And here the runway feels like it's pretty long, mm-hmm. or at least until they got to re-sign everybody, which is yes. coming up here soon. So get get that cheddar. But the man who discovered Jordan Reed, George Kittle, and Austin Hooper, <laughs> Logan, <laughs> Logan Paulson. You can find him on Instagram, Logan underscore Paulson eighty two. There we he go. Breaks down everything. The dude, he is a teacher and a student of the game. And you can also you're still on 1067 for post game too, right? Yes, that's correct. Pretty and you post-game. can listen to him. And Travis Thomas was looking for a nickname for you. I thought of Thor, but I thought of something better. We're gonna we call go. you Ragnarok from now on because <laughs> like you, you you will just end it. You end the Terry 100 thing, and you ended the debate about the Madden scores with Chase Young. But we've got Logan Ragnarok uh, Paulson on here. Not Logan Paul, not Logan Thomas. There we go. (laughs) But I appreciate you. And y'all out there, go check this brother out. And as always, make sure you get time to slap a table. Keep that same energy. We'll outlast the bastards together. Love, peace, and hell. Till the next time, I appreciate y'all. We're out. Logan.